0: Welcome to the Graceful Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Debick, the founder of Life Coaching with Lauren, a female empowerment coach, an entrepreneur, empath, and a lover of the ego-friendly lifestyle. My mission is to help women take control of their lives by teaching them how to increase their confidence in an authentic and genuine way so they can achieve both personal and professional goals. I will share ways to increase your confidence, Tips on how to integrate grace into your life, as well as stories and advice from other experts on how, as women, we can better empower ourselves and those around us. I will show you exactly how to use the power of confidence and grace to create an empowering and invigorating life that you are excited about waking up to every single day. Now, let's dive in. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of the Graceful Confidence Podcast. Before we go any further, I would like to give a special shout out to Waslos, Britton, Barbie, Lisa, Glenda, and Caitlin. Thank you so much for your support of projects like the Graceful Confidence Podcast. If you are interested in becoming a patron of the Graceful Confidence Podcast, please check out the link in the show notes. I am stoked to share this month's interview with you. For those of you who may not know, I am someone who loves spending time on the water, love spending time at the beach, and while I do not consider myself a good surfer by any means, it's something that I really enjoy doing. I love the challenge of it. I love being able to get out on the water and being one of the only places where I literally cannot have my phone on me and just shut off everything and be in the present moment. So that is why this month, I am so excited to share a recent conversation I had with Holly Beck. Not only is Holly an amazing person, but her topic also fits very nicely into a new series I recently launched for this podcast called the Self-Care Series. So the first episode of the Self-Care Series was a bonus episode for my patrons, but I did want to share this episode with everyone because it is so very important. Before we get into the conversation about therapeutic surf coaching and what Holly does, I want to tell you a little bit about her. Holly Beck is a former pro surfer turned holistic surf coach in Southern California with a goal to build a community of inspiring women who can support and empower each other in surfing and in life. After more than 10 years as a professional competitive surfer, Holly has spent 11 years running Surf with Amigas, women's surf and yoga retreats in Central America. Holly's favorite part of that experience is getting to connect with inspiring women from all over the world hearing their stories, and helping them improve their surfing skills. Holly says that the ocean has always been a place of healing, and over the years, she's become more curious about the science and practice of surf therapy, which is what our conversation is all about today. Holly has developed a holistic surf coaching program that combines experimental and talk therapy with surf coaching to help women focus on their mental health while also improving their surfing. I hope you enjoy our conversation. What is therapeutic surfing?
1: That is an excellent question. So therapeutic surfing is basically taking surfing and doing it in a holistic held way. So you can kind of approach it both ways. You can take it as someone who already has an existing surf practice, but changing that up from just something that they don't really think that much about. They just go jump on the ocean and, and do their thing surfing to making it something that's very intentional. So taking a moment before going out in the water, taking some breaths, kind of getting centered, setting an intention for the practice, um, being mindful of self-talk and kind of respecting their bodies and their emotions during their practice. And then coming back in and trying to think of a lesson that they learned or a feeling that they took from that session. So it's just kind of adding that extra dimension to their surf practice um, and then you can also look at it the other way. Let's say somebody that doesn't have a surf practice. It's, it's using the ocean as a therapist in a sense, like the ocean is a great teacher. It's something that causes you to be very present in the moment, also connected to your body. And it's a place that a lot of emotions and that can come up, whether they be fear, anxiety, not feeling good enough. And then it's a space where, um, the therapist or the facilitator or the coach can offer some coping mechanisms or tools they can practice in the ocean that could also be applied to the rest of their life. So let's say somebody has an issue with um, really not wanting to take up enough space in the in in their life so maybe they they don't want to speak up against a boss at work or a family member, and in the water that shows up as you know, being too overly concerned with other people like, oh, I don't want to get in someone's way or I don't want to take this wave. And then kind of helping that person develop some tools for being like, I belong here. I deserve this wave as much as anyone else. And then they can practice it in the surfing context and then hopefully take that empowered, more confident feeling into their other relationships and see some benefits. So kind of look at it in, in both ways. But I think that it's, it really can be beneficial for people who the ocean is a new place. And also people who have, you know, have been surfing for years, have an existing surf practice.
0: And you are a therapeutic surf coach. So can you talk a little bit about your journey, how you, you got to that place?
1: Yeah. So I, uh, I grew up and had a lot of childhood trauma and came from a pretty rough family environment. Um, definitely came from a lot of privilege, but a lot of trauma that went along with it and when I discovered surfing the ocean was the place the only place in my life where I really felt like I could be myself and I was a teenager and kind of in that in that time where I was trying to define who I was and I was a tomboy and I was told that surfing's for boys and so I really felt like I was doing something wrong but all I knew was that when I was in the ocean when I was surfing I felt the most myself and the most alive Um, and I was lucky that I really like picked it up pretty quickly and, and started experiencing a lot of success in competitive surfing. And that really gave me confidence that I didn't have outside of the water and allowed me to see myself and my place in the world differently. And then I was a professional surfer for a long time. Uh, I competed in traveling the world for about 10 years. And then I was able to have sponsorships that allowed me to extend that career a bit longer. So Surfing was really a part of my life, but in that way, it wasn't always the most healthy aspect. There was a lot of competition and, you know, pressure and trying to conform to people's expectations of me. And I kind of, uh, burnt out on that life a little bit and I moved to Central America. And then once again, me just surfing for myself, like I was able to redefine myself again as just like, I love surfing and I'm just going to do it for me. And like, what does that look like? And I really miss the camaraderie of all of these other like awesome women surfers that I had when I was a pro surfer. So I founded a women's surf and yoga retreat business really just as a way to allow me to live my dream of living in Central America. How am I going to support myself? Oh, I'm going to found this retreat. That was really the initial goal. And then the, the secondary goal was I'm in this male dominated space. I was living in a remote part of Northern Nicaragua where there were hardly any other women, at least expat women, you know, there were local women, of course, but like people of my, you know, in my friend group, it was all men. And so I was like, I'm going to found this business and it's going to be geared to women. And I'm going to import these other, you know, awesome instructors. And I'm going to get that same feeling of like kind of a female camaraderie. And and so really at first it was about, yeah, teaching women to surf. You know, it that was back in um 2010. So the whole, you know, retreat, women's base, like surf and yoga thing was pretty new then. Um and it was just like a really fun way to yeah, spend time living in Central America with these other awesome women, having event horseback riding down the beach and you know, volcano boarding and surfing. And it was this incredible lifestyle. And then over the years of doing that, I started noticing that what was happening is we were getting these guests who were coming on a retreat for a milestone birthday. And they were dealing with these kind of like life transitions. Or maybe their kids had just left home for the first time and they were finally allowed to do something for themselves. Maybe they had a partner pass away or a family close family member pass away so women were coming down with like all this stuff the stuff that they were then you know looking to give themselves this week of self care and and so it was really interesting to sort of watch that and i had an undergrad degree in psychology and but i didn't really have any like counseling or therapist training beyond that and yet i found i was doing therapy i was trying to talk these women through their fears or their anxieties or their grief um and started thinking hey maybe i should like get some more training on this and also connecting the dots and noticing that the stories i was hearing from women like with a glass of wine around the table about their job or their relationship um i was seeing kind of some of those similar patterns playing out in the water um and you know after 10 11 years of living in central america and running this business um my own life stuff started pulling me back to California. So I had a, a sister pass away, I got divorced, COVID hit, and suddenly the borders were closed and I couldn't run my surf retreat business. And it was like all of these different factors together that made me think that I was about to turn 40. Um, that made me think that maybe I maybe it was time for a change, maybe it was time for a new challenge. And I needed to be back in California. And how was I going to support myself back in California? How was I going to, you know, keep my brain active? And, um, a friend had told me that she was going back to school to get her master's in counseling because she wanted to do holistic yoga retreats. And that was like the final piece. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do that too. And so, um, in May of 2020, I signed up for a master's program in counseling, and I'm almost at the end of it. I'm about to graduate. I've finished all the school stuff. And now I just have to like finish up getting the hours. And uh, I am interning with a nonprofit called Groundswell that does surf therapy. And so it's kind of like all these different pieces fell into place. Like my, my past experience, um, having sur- surfing, having like really supported me in my own life, um, you know, being a professional surfer doing the retreat business and, and then yeah, getting the schooling and being a part of this organization. So it's been, it's been really cool.
0: That's awesome. And congratulations on almost being done with your master's. That's that. Thank you so much accomplishment. Congratulations.
1: Yep. Thanks. I'm stoked. I'm looking forward to finishing just being done. It's there.
0: The lights right around the corner. You will get right. It. Um, you mentioned the different types of themes that you were hearing about from the different people who were coming on the retreats, and that was going to be one of my questions as well. Are there any other trends or people that you, you would find taking these retreats, or was it really kind of across the board as far as ages, areas, uh, jobs, and it was more of those, those life things that were the themes that were pulling people together?
1: I think the type of person that comes on the retreat has really changed over the years. Like in, in 2010 and 2011, the first few years, I would say we got a much bigger group of beginners. It would be women who had never surfed before. And it was this bucket list thing that they were like, I'm going to learn to surf and I don't care if I'm 50, you know, or 40 or whatever. They're like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing for me and learn to surf. But I feel like it really speaks to the fact that women's surfing has changed that now the bulk of our clients, because I, I still run the business, even though I'm living in California and I make like cameo appearances down there on retreats. But I would say that more and more the ages have gotten older and the surfing ability has gotten more experience. So it's now the case that the percentage of people coming on the retreats that's never surfed before is very small. In fact, it's almost rare to get someone who really has zero experience. And I, I think that just speaks to the fact that women's surfing has grown so much, even in the last 10 years. Now, so many more women have been surfing um, and we get a lot more returning clients as well. So like, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would say more than half of people who come on a retreat have been on a retreat before. It might even be more than half. And And so that means that people, A, are coming more for like the coaching and, and it's like, it becomes their yearly vacation because they, they can trust it. They know that it's going to be a supportive environment with other cool women. They're not going to have to worry about any logistical details. They're going to be safe. They're going to have fun, but they're going to be pushed a little bit. Like, obviously we, we support people, but we don't hold their hand, you know, like we kind of like, like to, push them out of their comfort zone a little bit. And I think that, I think that they appreciate that. And that's what keeps them, them coming back. Um, And that's feedback I've gotten from them compared to like other retreats. They're like, oh, you guys trust us to make our own decisions and not just say, oh no, you can't go out the waves are too big. It's like, all right, you want to go out? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to be right next to you, you know, but I honor that you want to challenge this right now where I feel like some other, other places are like, oh no, no, it's too dangerous for you. You can't go.
0: What are some transformations that you've seen take place over the course of of the retreat years?
1: I've seen people completely change jobs and move to San Diego, you know, like someone who was landlocked and, you know, went surfing for a week and went home and maybe didn't do it that time. But then the following year went surfing for a week and then quit their job and move. I've seen people leave unhealthy relationships because they finally felt like empowered enough to go home and stand up for themselves. Um, and then I've just seen confidence, confidence grow. I've seen women lose a ton of weight, even like, um, you know, a curvier girl coming for the first time and then realizes that she needs to get back in better shape and then goes home and gets on a program. And then I see her a year later and it's like, oh my God, you look amazing. And they're like, yeah, that trip like jump-started my my fitness journey and I'm not going to stop. And, you know, like I've seen women over like a bunch of years completely transform their lives, which is amazing. You know, they have a positive experience. They set it as a goal. They book a trip six months later, they come back, they keep it going. It's, it's really, that's really the most rewarding aspect I would say is, is having people come back year after year and like getting to know them and getting to know their story. Um, even like with addiction, like people who have struggled with sobriety and then they come back and say, yeah, I've been sober and, you know, surfing has saved my life. And and now I go surfing every day when I'm at home and I look forward to this trip and, you know, a, a bunch of different things, really. I mean, I have like 11 years of running retreats. So there's like all the stories in the book, <laughs> you know, it's been really cool.
0: That is awesome. And it, it is one of those things for someone who's never done it before, if you can do this, if I can do this, I can do anything. And that's how that confidence starts starts to build up. You mentioned that you were a surfer in a very male dominated industry. And then you were in an area where you were one of very few females. How important is it, would you say for women to be able to develop that confidence in those male dominated spaces?
1: I think it's huge. And it's easy you know I had this interesting experience recently um that really brought it home for me because yeah I came from being like when I learned how to surf in the mid 90s I was one of very few women in the water and and typically I would be the only girl in the water and I sort of just got used to that and thought of it as like kind of normal. And then out on the pro tour, yeah, obviously there were women pros. So I was surrounded by other women, but it was really a male dominated space where it was like a lot of the competition. I mean, competition was the name of the game. We were professional surfers. So we were competing against each other for sponsorships, for media coverage. And then, of course, like actually in the contest. Um, so even though there were a lot of females, it still felt like very male dominated. Um, and there was all this silliness about like, you know, the, the men were running all the companies. So when you went to the trade show, you were paraded around in your bathing suit and, you know, you felt like you had to, you know, kiss up to this like executive and, you know, look cute and like, whatever. Um, so moving to Nicaragua, it was like the same thing. It was like, here's all these boys. And now it's like a chest puffing contest of like, who can get the better wave at the, you know, hollow beach break. So in creating this female space, the goal was to make it completely different. And now it's like egalitarian. And it doesn't matter if you're the best one or the least experienced one. Everybody has the same amount of entitlement to this wave. And we're going to cheer for each other and we're going to take turns. We're going to tell each other how awesome we did and we're going to set goals and we're going to be accountability partners and support each other in achieving those goals, whether it's just to go out there and have fun or to mass you know some maneuver Um, so it 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 created a completely different space and then having spent 10 years now primarily surfing in that environment um because even like outside of like work I was still surfing with all my girlfriends all our instructors on our off weeks we would go surfing together and so I I really got used to that concept of like it's my turn. And then it's your turn. And like, we're all going to share and we can party wave and I'm going to cheer for you when you get a sick one. And I'm going to expect that you're going to cheer for me. And then I've now moved back to California. I've been here for eight months. And uh, of course there are a lot of women that surf, but I'm typically seeking out the kind of more challenging waves, And in those spaces, there aren't as many women. And my boyfriend, I've mostly been surfing with him and he surfs at a very, very localized spot where it's straight back to that whole male pecking order of like, who's the best. And he goes first. And it's not about turn-taking. It's about like localism. And if they don't know you, they're going to tell you to beat it. And the only reason I'm allowed to surf there is because my boyfriend has kind of like opened the door for me. Otherwise I would not be accepted. And it's been really interesting to just notice that difference And I had an experience where I I was in Indonesia. We went on a surf trip just a few weeks ago and, uh, there were no other women. It was just me and like 30 boys and for two weeks and just like the, the difference in culture of like, yeah, machismo, the ego, the like who got the best wave and the, the conversation, you know of like the jokes and everything it like really made me like I really just noticed the difference and I think I had taken that female space for granted and it just really made me miss the female space and just notice like okay we need to get more women out in the water particularly level them up to where they can surf these gnarlier waves because I don't want to be the only one out there like I want to go surf those waves but I need my surf sisters with me because it would just make for a nicer experience for everyone.
0: That's fascinating because, you know, we see that in different facets of society, but to be able to be that specific with the surfing industry and say, this is what I see and how it's changed or not changed over the years is, is really, really interesting. Transitioning the conversation a little bit over to mental health, because you're, you're about to finish your master's degree in, in this space. How important is it for women to prioritize their, their mental and emotional health?
1: I think it's important for everyone to prioritize their mental and emotional health, but maybe more so for women, because I think our culture has socialized us to believe that we have to take care of everyone and that our needs aren't as important. Like, it's like, if you think of like the, the superhero mom that can like have eight arms at once and can take care of her kids and keep the house clean and make sure her husband is taken care of and, maybe these days now also has a career on top of that. And like, that is the, that is the utmost is that she has to be a superhero. She's got to be fit. She's got to look good in those leggings. Like, yes, she can have a messy bun, but like, otherwise everybody's got to be eating healthy and like all of that. And it's crazy. Like it's not possible. And, and I think that we need to normalize talking about that like there shouldn't be a stigma around postpartum depression like that's a real thing that people experience and it's totally valid to be like I am overwhelmed with this newborn right now and I need help and I don't I don't not feeling the glow of I have this little baby all the time because I'm not sleeping and no one's helping me and you know just that example alone and and even like there's, I feel like that gets shame if you like want to take a vacation without your kids or without your family. Like it doesn't feel like that's okay. Or you, ha- you feel like you have to like justify it somehow. Um, and so I feel like talking about burnout, talking about anxiety and depression and all this stuff that we all have even trauma, like we all have trauma in one way or another, everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to talk about that and, and be like, look, this chick that looks like she's got the perfect life and she's got it all together. And you see her on Instagram talking about her personal relationship and how perfect it is. And look at her awesome kids. It's like that girl has a lot of trauma and she's probably barely holding it together. And, and so I think if we could all be a little bit more honest about that, then everyone would kind of feel better about themselves. Take a deep breath. Like this is normal. These feelings I'm having are normal and it's okay. And I can get help when I need it.
0: And and to your point, social media has certainly not helped in that space because I think, and I've seen over the past few years, we are making a shift as a society and as a culture to being more open about those things, but it certainly has not been that way for a very long time. (laughs) Have you seen um, in the past 10 years, the the approach to mental health change at all? Have be- people become more open or were they always open about having some of these different conversations?
1: I think it's, it's becoming more and more talked about, like even with, um, I'm so bad with names and I don't follow professional sports, but with Simone Biles in the Olympics, not competing, um, with the, what was it, the tennis player that like mm-hmm. turned down all the interviews because of her mental health in the surfing world. Um, Gabriel Medina, he walked away from competition for the first six months of the year because of his struggles with his relationship. And I think it's getting more and more normal and acceptable to be like, hey, I've been struggling with this thing and I need a break. And nobody's like, oh, you're weak or you're damaged or there's something wrong with you. And and I think even like therapy, there's this idea that's changing. But I think there's still this idea that like, I'm not messed up enough to need therapy. I just have the normal anxiety and depression, but I don't actually need therapy when I feel like talking about your emotions and what you're going through with like an impartial person who's trained to hold space is useful for everybody. And I think people are like, oh, well, I just talked to my friends. It's like, no, it's not the same. It's not the same talking to your friends. Um, but I, I really do think that's changing. And, and now you know, it's like people have dietitians, people have, you know, health coaches, people have fitness trainers, and it's getting more and more normal to kind of speak about your therapist in the same category as those other helpers.
0: Absolutely. And that, that's a good thing. We, we need more of that. So conversations like this will help that along also. So this is a great way to something that is new, um, could be a challenge to someone with some of the opportunities to have those types of conversations. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning, the healing power of the ocean. Can you talk just for a minute about how you have experienced that in your own life?
1: Yeah, I I think anytime you're out in nature, there's a little bit of that, like, like that. Wow. Factor that take a deep breath and look in, especially now in our culture where we're so connected to our devices all the time the one thing about the ocean as opposed to like going hiking or going snowboarding is you can't bring your phone you know you have to leave your phone on the beach so that's like one thing just in itself that's like a newer benefit to the ocean but aside from that you know there's all the negative ions um there is the the presence factor i mean you have to be present Because if you are not present, that wave that you're not paying attention to will knock you over. So it really like requires you to kind of like turn off your brain, at least that part that's been ruminating on what you should have said or what you didn't do or what someone said to you. There's some element of that has to kind of get at least turned down because you've got to focus on what you're doing. Um, It also gets you really into your body. Like there's all the sensations of like the wetness, the temperature, the salt, the smell, the seagull squawking um it really activates it activates so much more of your body than say like playing a squash game or basketball or e- even hiking um there's just that extra dynamic aspect of the ocean there's the endorphins from being exhausted the ocean can be very exhausting so you end up sleeping better um it you build up an appetite where you hopefully go home and have a good meal or a nice big burrito <laughs> as I usually do. Um, so I, I think it, it kind of, uh, it kind of hits a few different places.
0: So if someone's been listening and they're like, yes, I'm in, I, I need a break. This is something I would love to explore. Can you explain a little bit what the itinerary looks like for one of the retreats?
1: Yeah. So at Serve with Amigas, we do seven day retreats. Sometimes a lot of people come for two weeks or even longer, but typically it's a seven day retreat. And, um, it's, it's the focus is around surfing. That's the goal. So we, we kind of plan the whole day around the tide, around the winds, around the swells so that we're optimizing being in the water when the waves are best. There's also daily yin yoga. So yin is like a very calm kind of soothing yoga. It's not a power yoga because we're getting all our energy out in the ocean. And then we come in and kind of rest, relax, stretch, kind of absorb all of those good feelings. And then there's like really fun cultural activities. So, um, you know, hiking, waterfalls, chocolate making workshops. Um, we have retreats in Morocco where we go and ride camels. We have a retreat in Peru where we go check out the, the ruins. There's always a give back component. So whether we do actually do it on the retreat um, or or just we donate money, um, any everywhere we have retreat locations, we support at least one nonprofit that in the area that's either supporting education, the environment or, um, art therapy. And so you can feel good about knowing that, you know, you're also doing good. We try and leave the the place that we are you know using for retreats better than we found it and support as much many local community members as possible. Um, and then there's always the option to just chill in a hammock and read a book with a glass of wine or a cup of coffee or whatever you're, beverage of choice is another thing I wanted to speak about before we were talking about it is another component is really community building so the people that come on retreats often they really bond with the other the other group members and then they'll like meet up and go surfing or meet up and go on a trip that's not even a retreat just do their own trip and that is also really rewarding to me, because I feel like it, it speaks to the level of relationship that gets built during these experiences that people keep in touch. They like coordinate to go do another retreat the next year. Um, so yeah, it's really awesome. But people, like all you have to do is get yourself to the airport, and then we take care of everything. That
0: is awesome. And if someone wanted to find out more about that, where, where would they look?
1: Yeah, our website is surfwithamigas.com. And then we're starting now to do more surf therapy retreats. So our normal retreat is therapeutic in itself because of all of the reasons that I mentioned. But now that I have this training, um, we're partnering with groundswell to do specific surf therapy retreats where it'll be the same program. It'll just be a little bit more of a, uh, a program including more like mindfulness more instead of just doing workshops, That enhance your surfing. It's also going to be about mindset. And everyone that signs up for those kind of is opting in to be like, I'm open to sharing. Like I'm going to be supportive to other people. So you kind of know going into it that you're going to be kind of able to be vulnerable in that way, but feel safe while doing it. Well,
0: Holly, thank you so much. I know that personally I have this surf retreat on my bucket list for 2023. So hopefully I will see um, your team there. I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully getting the word out to a few more individuals about the awesome work that you're doing. So thank you for everything that you're doing for not just people who are attending the retreats, but for the communities that you're building as well.
1: I just want to say too, if, if uh, there's a barrier to getting away for seven days and traveling internationally, we are doing workshops in California with groundswell. So people, if you're in California, either in the Bay area, in LA and in San Diego, um, there's one-day workshops and there's eight-week programs that will also provide surf therapy with the Groundswell Community Project. So that's another way to maybe if you're nervous about, yeah, going to Costa Rica or going to Morocco, you can just go to San Diego and, and have a, a taste of that same experience.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Graceful Confidence Podcast. If you know someone who could benefit from episodes like this, please encourage them to like and download the Graceful Confidence Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon.